0: Remain standing, if you will, for the reading of God's Word. Very excited to have uh, Carl and Debbie uh, Dortzbach with us this morning. Uh, They have served, as Debbie said, for many years uh, very, very faithfully. There's a display about them uh, somewhere you can read all of the details. Personally, uh, they have been instrumental in my life. We uh, Spent some time in Africa with them in 1995, soon after the Rwandan refugee crisis, and a very formative time for me, and one that was uh, shepherded by Carl and Debbie. But uh, one of the things I so appreciate about them is just the way that, A, the gospel is always central, uh, and then secondly, just the way that they can serve us by giving us a, a view of the world. Uh, that that so often you can't have, you know, in your your space. But they've been all over. Uh, I know Debbie just got back from Haiti and uh, certainly Africa, but Asian continent as well. So uh, it's great to hear uh, from them this morning and have that opportunity. The scripture is John 4, Uh, And it's a scripture about journeys. You have the journeys of the disciples as they follow Jesus. You have the journey of this woman at the well uh, who encounters Jesus. You have Jesus' own journey as he's making it to the cross. And uh, we're invited to bring our own journeys into this as well. I'll start at the beginning as it's printed for you in your bulletin. And he had to pass through, he being Jesus, Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, "'Give me a drink.'" the woman said to him, Sir, give me that water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And then after some uh, dialogue uh, in which Jesus talks to her about her own situation, talks to her about worshiping God in spirit and truth, the woman, verse 28, left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ. And they went out of the town and they were coming to him. Meanwhile, his disciples had come back and were urging him to eat. Uh, Jesus talks to them about sowing and reaping. And then we see it in practice. Verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So, when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said uh, that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Father, indeed, we give you thanks. For you have not left us to ourselves, you've given us your word, uh, mediated to us by your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be alive and well in our hearts today and that you would be clearing out the obstacles that prevent the harvest from taking root in our own hearts uh, and the harvest that propels us uh, from this place into the marketplace. Father, we give you great thanks for the mercy that you have wrought in this world. We pray now that you would be uh, with our brother Carl as he opens this word to us. May your spirit rest upon him. Uh, We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
1: We were back there then, we were back there then, and you have walked the journey with us ever since. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of the journey. Many of you, most of you have joined the journey since then, and and it still goes on, and it will go on. I don't know what you think about when you think about the most memorable journey that you have taken in your life. Maybe it was to the Redwood Forest, uh, maybe it was to the castles of Europe, uh, maybe it was to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, uh, the ancient ruins of Greece, Uh, maybe it was the first road trip that the kids didn't fight. (laughs) I, I don't know what the most memorable journey of your life has been. Think about it for a minute. I know what it was in my life. It was when I went to Ethiopia and when, by God's grace, God took me down a road when Debbie was kidnapped. It was a painful journey. It was an unexpected journey. And it was a journey that didn't end. Yes, the kidnapping ended at 26 days, but the journey didn't end, and it has continued to be an unexpected journey. You can read about the kidnapping journey in a book. It's actually on the back table. But those journeys that God takes us on often not only imprint our lives, but they become our lives. They become the life that God takes us upon, the unforgettable journeys. I remember one journey that Debbie went on. It was in Nairobi. Uh, She had left to go to a slum community and uh, do some health training. It was rainy season, and uh, there was this uh, little bridge. When I say little bridge, it was about this wide, And uh, it was a railroad tie. You had to go over the railroad tie uh, over a river in order to get to the the little slum community. And it started raining. And it rained really hard, uh, torrentially. And the uh, water started to rise. Well, that river was mostly a sewage river. And on the way back, uh, she slipped off the bridge. Uh, It was pretty easy to do, considering the amount of water. And she had to be fished out of the river by her friends. Uh, Most of you would find that an uncomfortable, unpleasant journey. Actually, for Debbie, uh, it was probably true that regardless of the clothes that she was given by her friends, uh, the spare clothes that you find in a slum community in Nairobi, and you can imagine what those would be, that was probably more within her comfort zone than a lot of places of ministry in the U.S. So think about the comfort zones that you live in and that you don't live in. Think about those for a moment. Now I want to take you on a comfortless journey that Jesus went on with his disciples. The text begins with these words. He had to pass through Samaria. Now, I would Aver that he didn't have to, not physically. Nobody else did. Nobody else went through the despised, no other Jew went through the despised area of Samaria. So in that sense, he didn't have to pass through Samaria. He could have gone around it. And even today, you don't have to. There's a road. A different road yeah it's a little longer but you don't have to but jesus had to he had to take his disciples through sychar there was a well there that was the source of conflict i want to take you on that journey and if you uh, take notes or the notes are of any value to you or the following is of any value to you i want to wobble wobble through this text with you, a bunch of Webble use. And so I want you to just think through in the wobble use of the text. and I'm going to wobble my way through briefly in the text. There was a way. and the way was not used by Jews. So when the text says that Jesus had to go through Samaria, it was because of a greater purpose. And the purpose was that this was going to be an unforgettable journey for the disciples not only unforgettable, but changeable. It was going to change their lives. It was going to instruct their mission. It was going to be that which set a paradigm in front of them. It was a new way. It wasn't usual. It wasn't usual. It was not going to be, in one sense, repeatable. But in another sense, they were going to continue to walk this journey. The rest of their lives it was going to take them through a people group that was despised it was the nearest place of dissonance for them and they were to go to other peoples in the rest of their ministry and journey and so was the church to go to other peoples that were at more distant places that were also dissonant from their cultures from their language But the Samaritans were the closest at hand. Think about the significance of that for our own way. We often think of missions as being way out there. But God actually calls us to the nearest dissonance. Who is it that you find it difficult to be with? That might be your Samaria. Jesus called his disciples to go with him on the Samaritan road. It was necessary because it reached non-Jews. It was necessary because it moved the disciples to outreach. It was necessary because they had to confront their biases. And they did. And so they came to the well. That's the second W. The well. And what about the well? Well, we know from the dialogue between Jesus and the woman, the woman says, You know, uh, this is our well. Well, that was the whole point. That was the whole point of the conflict. Was it a Jewish well? Was it a Samaritan well? Whose well was it? It's Jacob's well. Jacob's our father. No, Jacob's our father. And the woman said it very well, Sir, you don't have anything to draw water with. This is our well. Our father, Jacob, dug it. It belongs to us. Mind you, she was taking the communal we on, but she was there completely without a community around her. She was community-less. But all of a sudden, she steps back into the sense of identity of who she was. Jesus doesn't pick up on this. Brother, he goes at her heart at the emotions that lie underneath of her excuse and her challenge. Yes, it was a well. It was a disputed territory. It was a place of conflict. It was a place that should have been a place of community. If you've ever been with uh, women who go to draw water uh, at most of the parts of the world where water doesn't flow through pipes into your kitchen, uh, you know that drawing water is a community event. Uh, We witnessed that for many years in our lives in Africa, where women would go together, they would get their donkeys together, and and, uh, they would have a whole donkey parade uh, with their water bags or their water jars on their donkeys, and they would go to the water source. And along the way, they would talk, and and they would discuss their families, and they would discuss their gardens, and they would discuss the realities of life. It was a communal event to go get water. But this woman was notably alone at a community well. And she was there at the very wrong time of day. You don't go in the middle of the day to draw water. You draw water in the, in the beginning of the day or at the end of the day. That's, that's a cultural reality. So at 6 o'clock, high noon, it was hot. Nobody goes to draw water at that time of day. There was something outstanding about this woman, the well. It was a point of need for her. But she wasn't talking about that need. Jesus talked about his need. He said, woman, would you give to me to drink? Yes. How is it, though, that you, being a man, being a Jew, ask me, a woman, a drink? It was the whole point of the contact. That's why he went, that's why he had to go to Sychar. Understand and feel the dynamic of what was happening and then begin to think about the dynamic in your own lives and what God has done. Jesus had sent his disciples into the town to buy food. It was a despised, despicable thing to have to eat food that had been touched and handled by Samaritans. So there they were hungry at their point of need. They were forced to go into town and do business with Samaritans and eat what they provided. And Jesus stands at the well and says, Woman, will you give me to drink? And all she has is a cup that her mouth had been on. And just feel the awkwardness. There's a woman, there's a man, where men don't talk with women, this sort of culture where... They're apart, culturally, they're apart, and we have one vessel. I, "Ooh, I'm going to drink from your cup. I'm going to drink from your cup. I am thirsty. I need you." And Jesus now turns the tables. "Woman, if you'd asked me first, I'd have given you water water that would have welled up from inside of you. Oh, sir, you don't have anything to draw, and the well is deep. The The disciples come back. Our next W, they were wondering. They look at Jesus. They look at the woman. They couldn't understand why He was engaging with this woman. They couldn't understand why they were there. Why did they have to go into saikar Why couldn't they have just gone like every good proper Jew and have avoided this whole inconvenient, difficult environment? Now they find the rabbi drinking from a woman's cup. Horrible. Dialoguing with her. They wondered. Wasn't politically correct. It was an upside down world. Jesus says, You don't get it. I've eaten. Uh, but but who fed you? I've eaten that which the Master gave me to eat. And the disciples shake their head, they don't understand. It was not only physically uncomfortable, it was not only socially uncomfortable, it was mentally uncomfortable, it was confusing. Jesus had turned their entire world upside down. Some of you have traveled, have had journeys in life and to places that have turned your lives upside down. And you know what I'm talking about. God does things and you can't understand it. Sometimes it's full of pain. Sometimes it's receiving others' pain. Sometimes it's just the confusion of what is God doing? I don't get it. That's where the disciples were. And it's in that moment that we begin to fasten our eyes on Jesus, and all Jesus says is, it's the will of my Father. And we're left in wonder. We're left in wonder looking at the work of God, or next W. the work of God. It was a broken woman. Jesus says, go get your, your, go get your husband. He knew well enough who she was, why it was that she'd come at noon, alone, no other woman, unaccompanied go get your husband. Bring him first. Oh, sir, I don't have any husband. I know. I know. You've had five. They're not really your husbands. I know who you are. It shows. Jesus was perceptive, but not condemning. And the woman begins to, oh, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. She tries to change the subject, but before long, she rushes back to the town, and she begins to speak to people in the town. I have met a man, she says, who instructed me, who told me all that I have done. He pierced my heart. I've met Jesus. And she had. Well, the disciples had to meet Jesus too around this well. They saw the work of God, a broken woman going to the village, broken disciples who were staying in the village. Can you imagine the frustration of the disciples not only having gone to buy food, but now these people, these men come out to the well and beg Jesus to stay longer. And here the disciples, no, no, Master, don't do that. This would not be a good idea. This was supposed to be a shortcut to get to where we were going, to Galilee. We don't need to spend longer at this. Well, do we? Really? And Jesus stays with them several days while well, the disciples begin to watch the work of God. It was totally unexpected. They didn't understand, but they came to understand the work of God. A broken woman, broken disciples, and broken villagers who were confessing a new belief. It was God at work. Perhaps you have seen God at work in your life, in friends' lives, in others' lives. Look at some of those points for a moment and consider where it is that God has been at work. Often, often, it's at the point of pain and memory where we see God at work. Consider for a moment our way. Usually, we look at what's comfortable at what's short, at what is perhaps non-sustainable, and what makes us happy, what is convenient for us. Um, We may often rationalize our needs or the needs of others. Even in missions we do that. We think, well, uh, everybody needs Jesus, so if I could just reach one orphan, uh, there's no complication with that. I'm thankful when we reach one person. We can only reach one at a time. It's true. Sometimes God calls us, though, to actually stretch our boundaries and reach either in a more difficult place than we might normally reach, to be more strategic, to follow His work and His way. Sometimes we resist that which is strategic. We look for a monetary or a momentary return. And we ask, well, how can I do this faster? How, how can I have a better report? And we are all subject to that. How can I look better? That's the way we tend to do it. But God's will doesn't do that. God's redemption isn't usual. And that's what this story is about. It's about God's unusual redemption, God's unusual plan, God's working through the difficulties of life and drawing those difficulties of life together. Jesus reaching down. If Jesus could reach us, if Jesus could reach you, why is it that he couldn't use you to reach others? And that's in the story. If Jesus could use the disciples, simple everyday disciples to go through this well of Sychar and actually allow them to see the simple stuff of of receiving a cup of water, not giving a cup of water. Mind you, they received. They didn't give. That's one of the outstanding things of this narrative. The disciples took nothing. They gave nothing. Jesus didn't give anything. He didn't have a, a trailer in which he uploaded or unloaded supplies into the well of Sychar. He came with his shoes, and he said, I need a cup of water. But he changed the social order. God's redemption turns things upside down. Redemption is about genuine community. Redemption is about recognizing our need our need for Jesus and simply sharing that need. The disciples had to see that. We have to see that. You have to see that. I have to see that. So Jesus comes to the well thirsty and in need. Being thirsty and being tired is crucial to our journey. Crucial to our mission. You have to. You have to. That's the way the text starts. Jesus had to and you have to, I have to, we have to go. We have to be thirsty. We have to be hungry. We have to be in need. Because Jesus, the greater than Jacob, has prepared a well for our thirst and for our fulfillment. Jesus is the way. It's interesting when we get to the end of this text and go a little bit beyond it, that there were Galileans eventually in uh, verse 45. After he left the well of Sychar, verse 44 and 45, he comes back to Galilee, and the Galileans welcomed him. Uh, they were the ones that had been with him before the story began. They had, he had fed them, and now they, they reach Galilee before he got there. He had taken this shortcut that was turned out to be a long cut through Sychar, They only saw his miracles of feeding, of healing, but they missed the journey. They missed the journey through Sychar, through Samaria. They took the easy, the long road. They welcomed him. Sometimes it's easy for us to welcome Jesus, but to miss the road, to miss the journey the journey that would be the memorable journey, sometimes the painful journey. So I want you to take just a moment. Ask yourself the question, where is your journey? Where has it come, and where is it going? Where is God taking you? What is God doing with your life and in your life? We come to this this week, Holy Week. We remember and we celebrate the work of Jesus in the world. But Jesus uses people like you and like me. He uses our journeys, our thirsting, our need, our failures, our frustrations, the hurts, and he uses those things to reach out to a wider world. We have to go. We have to embrace those struggles. Those struggles to be able to recognize that all of the world is embraced in brokenness. And it's as we embrace our brokenness that God says there is redemption. There is redemption in Jesus. And we embrace That redemption in Jesus for us. And as we embrace it, others see our embrace. We can't possibly take a gospel that is just a gospel of health and wealth and wonder if we have never been thirsty, if we've never been in need, if we have no need and no thirst to talk about the provision of Jesus. I want to invite you on an unforgettable journey. God's working today. Some of you came this week and you saw a a film, actually, I I, I know on, on Friday, looking at the persecuted church. Think about the work of God in India, in the Middle East, across Africa. Latin America. There are churches in Indonesia where increasingly it's politically incorrect to even convert. The Philippines. Korea is one of the largest sending countries in the world. And we think of the gospel here in the US as being sort of the central to, it's not central. It's not central of importance, and we are less and less central in terms of importance and numbers in the kingdom of God. God has expanded his kingdom way beyond our borders. He is at work. And I want to invite you to one of the most incredible journeys to move beyond your comfort zone. Find where your comfort zone is and move beyond it. It's the call of God and the missions. I don't know where God will take you. I know that God is at work bringing people, his people, into this nation of ours. We've seen it in Baltimore. There are 4,000 international students at Johns Hopkins, our neighbors, 4,000 nations. How many are in Grand Rapids? How many do you know? God is at work. Step beyond your borders. You don't know internationals? Then ask yourself the question that the disciples didn't want to ask. Who is it that I don't want to get to know? And go in their direction. They're there. It's an unforgettable journey. When God, by his grace, opens our eyes and enables us to see his work, he takes us to his well and allows us to see the wonder of his grace. May God take you, like he's taken us, on an incredible journey. And may that journey last all of your lives. It's the wonder of following the King. May God give you grace. May God give you joy. May God fill you with the delight of His people. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for the joy of being welcomed on the journey of walking with You that has often led us to places that sometimes we're not completely comfortable, but it's always been memorable. Would you take each one of us on a personal journey that we would increasingly recognize our need for you, our need for forgiveness, our need for being lifted out of the mire of our own failures, our need for restoration, our thirst. Help us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord Jesus, give to us the delight of walking your way. Show us where we must go, that we would learn to experience again the joy of our salvation as we clutch and as we cling to you. So go before us. Go before our children. Help us as we journey together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.